Hi, hello, what's up? Michelle here, you know the drill. Michelle, AKA Fuel My Run, AKA from the Fuel Pod. If you follow me on Instagram on Fuel My Run, you know what's going on. You know what's up right now. You know what is about to happen. You know that today we're gonna be talking with Bart Yasso, AKA the mayor of running. He was the chief running officer at Runner's World for so many years. It's basically a runner's dream job. (laughs) You may also be like, wait a minute. Yasso, that sounds familiar. I think I've done Yasso 800s in my marathon training, which is a workout. And we talk a little bit more about that in today's episode. And this is actually a workout that I usually do in my marathon training and I have some clients actually do it as well. We talk, we don't get into too much detail, but we definitely talk about how he kind of implemented it in the past and a couple other of his favorite marathon training workouts. Bart's also done freaking crazy races in the past. He's ran on all seven continents. He did all of the original ultra races, a lot of them before the courses were changed. He is such a huge figure in this running community that we are a part of that You know, you should really get to know him if you don't already. And today we're going to be talking about some fun stuff. He has a crazy running story. We're playing scale of one to 10. He's about to give you all the tips on how to learn to run by feel. So for example, when you're running, you know, maybe a tempo workout, how to hit those paces without your watch, which I think is really cool and that we should start doing. And yeah, there's just a lot to this conversation. So get ready to go. I just have to say before we get going, part of our interview got cut off in the beginning. Don't even get me started. I had to do some yoga and deep breathing (laughs) when I got off the call with Bart. Uh, I just, it's, it's rough stuff. It made me cry tears, but a lot of our conversation's still there. And it's still like a solid 40 minute conversation with one of my favorite people in the running world. So to jump into our conversation, we were just talking about virtual racing and Bart's stance on this is that virtual racing is here to stay. It's just so easy if you're unable to make it to the race, something comes up and need to like downgrade to the virtual option or, you know, it really kind of introduces people to racing in more of a nice entry level way. So we're going to start talking about that. I tell him about the 5k race I did this past year and we both mutually agree that 5Ks are freaking hard as hell. <laughs> Before we get into this podcast, if you can rate it five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcast, I would love you forever and we can be BFFs, perhaps. All right, let's get into the episode. Strava or, or Garmin, Connect, whatever you did the run on. and True, it's proof right there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we should get crazy about like awards for virtual and that kind of stuff, but just have them Let's just acknowledge that they did it and list them in their results. I think it's kind of fun fun to do. Yeah, just a little leaderboard. I finally did, I did a, a 5K just because I, okay, I'm scared of 5Ks, Bart. 5Ks yeah, yeah. are the most terrifying race, and I feel like you would agree with that. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, they're too short. <laughs> they're too <laughs> short. I didn't even pick up my speed, and I just didn't yeah, yeah. know how to pace it. But I, I thought it was time to sign up for a 5K virtual race for New Year's Eve. And it was fun. Yeah. It was a fun time. I just did a 5K virtual about three weeks ago. And okay. there was something Dave McGilvery sent me. Dave McGilvery is the race director of the Boston Marathon. He said, this yeah. is a great cause. Can you do this? And I said, sure. And I did, you know, I went on register right away. And then there was a place to donate. And I really love the cause because it's uh 
kids with childhood cancer go to this camp and it's all paid for. So I said, yes, I want to make a donation. So within a minute, I was entered in a race and made a donation. And I sent a message to McGilvery right away after I entered and I said, you know, if you would have done this in the old days, I would have had to send you an envelope to request an application with a self-addressed stamp envelope inside that envelope that you can mail <laughs> me a registration. I get it back, fill it out, mail it back to you with a self-addressed stamped envelope so that when the results come out, you can mail me results. And that's how it was done in the old days. And now, meanwhile, to do all that, there's like four stamps and four envelopes and about 11 days of elapsed time to live. That's a lot. And I, I don't know how we did that in the old days, but that's how we did it. I mean, you, how did, I mean, you'd be the person to ask. That sounds like such a headache. And McGillery, his response to me, his email back was so funny. He said, he said, you're right. That's how we did it. We kind of just can't. New Young people new to our sport just have no clue how different it was in the old days. <laughs> and, uh, Boston Marathon used to send, send you a postcard with your place and your time. And once you got that postcard, that was official, official. There oh my were, gosh, I love there, that though. Yeah, there were unofficial results posted on a wall at, near the finish line. And, and, you know, I'm talking 40 years ago when I first did Boston. And so they did put stuff up on a wall and you could look at your time and place, but it wasn't official. Everything said it's unofficial. Uh, <laughs> and I would say two weeks later, you got a just a little postcard with your name and your place and your time. And then about, I would say it's two months later, maybe three months, then you got like a booklet with photos and all the results. And you could look up anybody's time and that kind of stuff. It was really, the booklets were really nice. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. A, a booklet yeah. to come along with it. That's funny that like you'd have to wait two months to be able to, you know, check out everyone's time. Oh, when like yeah. nowadays it's like, Oh my gosh, it's not posted yet. I've already crossed right. the finish line. Exactly. Yeah. I crossed the finish line three seconds ago and they still haven't refreshed okay. and put it up there. Why am I yeah. not on there yet? I so true. I, I'm so guilty of that too. I'm just like, I want what's my official result? What the I have my Garmin, but I need my official. It's like two seconds different. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, and we actually before there was chip timing, because chip timing didn't come out till the mid nineties. So people that ran like New York City Marathon, which I did in the early 80s, if it took you 10 minutes to get across the starting line, you didn't get 10 minutes back at the finish line. You, you got the time on the clock when you went underneath the finish line. So if it took you 10 minutes to get to the start, you were ripped off 10 minutes, basically. Oh, uh, that so would we, kill me. We we always did kind of thing. We always ran with, you know, I had to nine dollar 99 cent casio watch with which had a chrono on it so we once we got to that starting line we did hit our watch knowing that it wasn't the official time but it was our personal time we knew it didn't mean anything but just we wanted to know how long it took us to really run the race but you're telling me i can run with a nine dollar and 99 cent watch um, instead of my 300 dollar garmin yeah i don't know if it's the that uh price anymore but that was like the runner watch back in like 79, 1980, Casio. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. know the model number, but I remember specifically it was $9.99. And they lasted like 
three or four years and you could replace the battery, but it wasn't worth it because if you got moisture in there, it may not work correctly. So technology lasted four years. That's a real good investment. Put it to rest, get a new one. There was a runners were a thrifty bunch in the old days. <laughs> I feel like that watch paired with a pair of Nikes equals a runner. You could just put that plus yeah, that equals or, and uh, just write runner. The other thing all runners had back in the 70s and 80s, uh, we all wore painter's caps. And I think that's because they were like, you could buy a dozen of them for a dollar. Painter's caps? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a little hat that you wore to have a brim. And if you do, if you see any old race stuff, everyone has a painter's cap on. So painters use them so they don't get paint in their hair. Uh, oh, I know we, what you're talking about. That trend is like coming back. Oh, okay. Well, they were literally like you could buy a dozen for a dollar. Gosh. And that's, now we're just like paying for the brand name. Yeah. If you saw the Casio watch and the painter's cap, you're like, whoa, that's a diehard right there. <laughs> they got the 10 cent hat on and the $10 watch. That's they're like, <laughs> they're hardcore. You know. Oh, that's commitment. That's, that's commitment. That's commitment. Now the painter's cap and the Casio watch, you're committed. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, I love that. Before, so I definitely wanted to ask you about a crazy race story. Yeah. But before we get into that, I think we obviously need to touch on Yasso 800s because yeah. I think my followers, my running followers, definitely should be trying out this workout when they're marathon training. But yes. maybe you can kind of let us know, like, who do you recommend this workout for? Yeah, so I find Yasso 800s work. Well, first of all, the workout is warm up two to three miles. I always ran three miles as a warm up. And then mm -hmm. 10 times 800 meter with a 400 meter recovery. And then a two to three mile warm cool down. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is a long workout. It's a hard workout. Now, if people new to track or new to doing speed work, they should just start out with just doing two or three and build up to 10. Uh, you know, I was, we always, when I did, went to the track, we were always told you how to do five miles of hard stuff or don't even show up. So I was for that <laughs> 10 times 800. Uh, but that's the key workout. So I always find it works for people that run higher mileage, people mm -hmm. that are like, they're marathoners that run 60 to 70 miles per week. I find people that, you know, are in the range of 30, 40 miles a week. The Yasa 800s, they could probably do the 800s faster than their marathon. Sweet spot people, 70, 80 miles a week. Uh, you know, when I was doing them, I was doing over 100 miles a week because every marathoner I knew, if they were a marathoner, they ran over 100 miles a week. So I ran over 100 miles a week because... That was the trend. High yeah, mileage. I be the only marathoner that I knew that didn't run 100 so weak. Everybody did that. <laughs> you know, I'm going late 70s, early 80s. Uh, that that's changed. crazy. Yeah. But it's, uh, that's the way it was. You know. How uh, often did you need a new pair of shoes? Uh, the shoes didn't last as long as they do today. So, you know, every week today are people, you know, if you don't overpronate or oversupinate, you can certainly get four to 500 miles out of good pair of running shoes these days mm -hmm. it was more like 300 in the old days i think they worn out a lot quicker because the technology has gotten a lot better 
So when you were doing like marathon training, yassos, you'd need it every, you need a new pair of shoes every few weeks. Yes. About every three to four weeks you were getting a new pair of running shoes. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You didn't, it, it's truly your only equipment that is vital. Uh, you know, you can run and cut off jeans if you had to or whatever. I, I flew back because that, that was my first run and cut off jeans and a Budweiser t-shirt. So, but shoes are essential. That is the, your number one equipment. And the proper shoe for you is obviously, is paramount. And then, 100%. Yeah. And I, you know, the running clothing today is awesome. So you should be in nice running clothing. But I did run and cut off jeans for not only my first run, I would say the first three or four runs that I did. <laughs> and then you had like a major chafe and you're like, maybe I should look into well, it. Yeah. Like I only did a mile the first run I did. This was 1977. Uh, so cut off jeans work, but then I realized, okay, I'm liking this running. I really want to go a little further. So I invested in some more running stuff. It was a running store that opened that really did have running clothing, but you could go to, you know, any department store and get athletic clothing, which was better to run in than cut off jeans and a Budweiser t-shirt. <laughs> and a belt. I had to have that belt on that first time I ran. I think the <laughs> second time I ran, I didn't have the belt. I realized I didn't need a belt. You slowly kind of transformed your running outfit over time. You're like, the belt's um, not yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty quick, actually. <laughs> but I definitely went out. Cut off jeans and, and cut off jeans were the rage in 1977. So it wasn't like someone said, Oh my god, a dude's running cut off jeans. Like half the, half the people walking on the streets wearing cut off jeans. Yeah, that's true. Common, or I want to know if they're common, but there's still people out there in cut off jeans. But there were a lot of people in cut off jeans in the 70s. We're, I, I think I need to use that photo of you that I'm envisioning yeah. right now to promote thank, this podcast. Thank God that photo doesn't exist because I, I had long hair and beard and uh, <laughs> I look like a caveman, basically. <laughs> caveman and cut off jeans. I, I saying, love it. Running is so easy, a caveman could do it. I proved it. Um, <laughs> you took Geico's um, I been, before they used it? I could have been the Geico guy if I go back to 1977. You yeah. still could. I'm yeah. sure they'd be happy to have you. I, I could grow a beard in three days if I wanted to. I haven't had a beard since uh, 1988. Yeah, I shaved my beard off in 88 and I haven't had a beard since. Maybe in November you should grow it back out for yeah. November. What do they call it? Movember? Yeah. Oh, November beard. I, yeah, I think it's November. No, I think then it's, you wear a mustache or a beard. Okay, good. I'll, I'll uh, come back and ask you in November and see if it's going to happen. Yeah. So going back to Yasa's a little bit too, do yeah. you recommend when someone's kind of implementing it in their marathon training, if they're maybe higher mileage, which for, I mean, hundred miles a week, a lot of marathon trainers nowadays aren't even getting close to that, but yeah. still could probably benefit from Yasa's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you think that they should start when they're starting their marathon training with a lower number of yassos and then build up to 10 or 12? Or how do you see yeah, that progression? If you need to build up, then you do need to start earlier. So ideally, I would start doing 10 times 800 about six to seven weeks prior to my taper. I would okay. take that workout 10 times 800. I love to do five times a mile. I did other 
workouts, but, uh, Oh yeah. What were your other favorite workouts? Oh man. I love five times a mile. Oh man. I, I love just cranking out a mile on a track and then doing five of them. And, uh, Sounds so painful. Just, uh, yeah. I don't know what it is. It just, uh, the longer the interval, just, I just liked it more. Uh, just, it's a, I, to me, it just felt like I was better training for longer distance races. So I wasn't worried about my 5k time or my 10k time. I was more worried about my half marathon time or my marathon time. So 10 times, 800, five times a mile, did a lot of ladder workouts where you do a half a three quarter a mile and then go back down three quarter or half mile, you know, love those like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or do two halves, two, three quarters, two miles, and then two, three quarters and two halves, stuff like that. It was just awesome. And then uh, <laughs> what I really like to do um, to teach pacing, cause that to, you have to know what pace you're on, not by looking at a device. You gotta know by feel. Mm -hmm. And the way I did that is I would, you know, one week say I was doing 10 times 800, and, you know, I wanted to average two minutes, 40 seconds on all my, 10 800s i do it and then the next week i would do it and not wear my ten dollar watch put it on the side put it laying on the side of the track or put it in my hand and not touch it so Ooh. I look at it so if i didn't have anyone that was around to help me time it i would not look at it and then and then i would say to myself okay you got to do all 10 of these 240 on the nose each one of them and i, I love that cool. Not to look at any splits, not you, you really did it on effort. And it was really cool to see that you could do it. And that really taught you how to pace that you because you know you need you need to start out every race correctly. So you know you can't wait till the mile to find out you're in over your head or just constantly run running looking at your watch. That's not the way to run. You you got yeah. it's what I call feel. And you just felt like, okay, I know I'm running two minutes and 40 seconds for this 800, even though I can't look at my watch. It's really cool to do. And That's I, a big eye-opener. To do that, and, you know, or pick a, you know, if you're doing like a tempo run where you're running you know, two miles easy and then you're going to do like five to six miles at marathon pace and then another two miles easy, do that marathon pace with a watch that you're doing it and then do it next weekend put the watch in your pocket or something. And then, so it's still recording, but don't have any signals that says you're a mile, just do it and then find it, see, compare them. And then when you really can do the proper pace and really hit it without knowing all the splits, that's when you're gonna run well. Cause you really, then, then you really understand effort and then you adjust for the elements. It's a warm day, mm -hmm. uh, wind, you really learn to run by feel and by effort. And that's a oh my gosh, it's huge. Great way to run a race. In fact, this weekend when I was in Oklahoma, this guy comes up to me. I'm like, uh, it was actually a Friday. I was shooting some videos for the Oklahoma City Marathon. And this guy comes up to me and says, oh my God, I would, can't wait to run with you tomorrow. But can I just shake your hand? And I'm like, and he said, you know me. And I said, okay. I, he said, Pikes, Pikes Peak Marathon, you told me to not wear my watch. Wow. And he said, because you don't want to know your splits because you're running, eventually you're running at 14,000 feet. 
I said, you don't want to know your splits. Like you're thinking of your splits that you run in Oklahoma City, which is not the same when you're running up the side of a mountain, starting at uh, 7,800 feet of elevation, going up to 14,000 feet. And I said, if you know, if you're running like a 15 mile, that's actually a pretty good pace. But it freaks you out when you're used to running. You know, this guy was probably used to, he was at home running seven minute miles and now he's running yeah. miles. So it get, gets in your head. He and he, he was adamant about needing his watch, but he he did it without his watch, and he ran his fastest time. And, uh, he's run Pike Peak a bunch of times, but he wow. said it really worked because he didn't think about splits time. He just ran, you know, listening to his body and going by effort. I love that. I feel like that could even translate to just a casual run, a training run, huh. if you're feeling a little burnt out. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go extra slow today. It's going to kind of mess with me mentally, like based on my training plan. Like leave your watch at home, yeah. you know, your five, seven mile route or whatever it yeah. is. Just go. I know people always say to me, but then it won't end up in Garment Connect or Snava. Then it doesn't count. I'm like, yes, it counts. I, <laughs> when people say that to me, I said, I think I've run probably about 75,000 miles before any of that technology was available. <laughs> but those miles count. You're like, it counts. It counts. No, I get that. It is a weird mental game though. When you see your profile build up and we're, we're so addicted to stats and then we go on a run or let's say our watch dies halfway through a, a speed right. workout. Oh, that gets me. Yeah. Like we have to be okay with that. Knowing that it's more important to train and reap the yeah. benefits versus have those stats on an app. Yeah. And believe me, you can run like five point one miles you don't have to stop right when it hits five and then walk back to your car you can actually like the loop you're doing comes out to 5.13 that's cool your body doesn't know like dude you want more than 1.3 than you had to what are you doing like oh my gosh i definitely have that running ocd sometimes or like 4.97 tell me you can't stop then you can't can you Oh yeah, yeah, I can definitely stop at four point nine. So yeah, I would have no problem doing that. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I actually just finished a a uh, virtual thing with the Kauai Marathon, so I was kind of getting close to almost the exact miles because I had to enter it, and they had a no. But normally, yeah, I love it when it's like four point nine three or something that I stop. It's awesome because it doesn't. Your body doesn't know. I was really happy when this technology came along. I went to do the courses I used to do for my long runs, which, you know, I had all these old log books and 23 miles and I know the exact course and I checked them out. And what I thought was 23 was actually about 24 and a half. So I was, ha I was happy that every run that I did in the old days that I checked out was longer than I, than I thought. Okay. Well, that's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I was really Better happy. than the opposite. <laughs> just estimated, you know, based on the, pace and you know i mean people used to then go out and get in their car and drive the home. I, I thought that's crazy because you really you're running over here and you're driving over here i never thought it was the right thing to do i just you know you're out there two hours and 45 minutes or whatever i know i covered a lot of miles so it was always like estimated what i thought the workout was uh, but i found out they were always just a little bit longer than i thought which was which made me happy Oh yeah, I would be stoked about that. Yeah, but I I can honestly say I've never ever 
Uh, no, I can't say never ever because we had, we had to do this one trail and it had to be 3.8 because everything added up the next couple races. So I, one time I ran like around the parking lot that something equaled the exact number that we hit. But one it was, time. One time, yeah. But I <laughs> never, because we were, it was a 3.8 mile trail run and when we came down, it was, everyone had like 3.7 on their watch. And so we were then running a 10K, a half marathon at 5K and with the 3.8, everything equaled 26.2. So I had to do it. Okay, that's really, fair. But that's the only time I've ever done. I've never run around my car or around the parking lot or past my house because I needed to hit something exact. You're just the coolest runner. I just, I can't relate. <laughs> Your body doesn't know 4.97 versus 5.1. Your body just knows you're out there for this amount of time and you got a solid workout in it. That's what your body knows. My brain knows. My I, brain is not happy with that. That's the that's where people put their mind ahead of the the run. Well, they put the technology in your mind ahead of the run. So there's definitely the, yeah. Be happy with the run. Don't worry about the exact. I think it's kind of cool to go 4.97. You know what? I'm gonna start that. I'm gonna make that a trend based on this conversation. I'm going to say, let's all do something crazy today. <laughs> Everybody, like, even if you have your watch, stop right under the distance that you wanted to hit and practice yeah. that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. <laughs> it'll, it'll chill people out a little bit. It will. It will. I yeah. agree with that. Let's, let's jump in. So I want to ask you about a crazy racing story. And then I have a quick game of scale of one to 10. And I think okay. a lot of listeners are going to want to know how you're going to rate some of the things I'm going to bring up. But crazy racing stories. I feel like we all have I mean, one, and you I, have a thousand. I literally have a thousand. But one of the funniest ones that ever happened to me, because this the start had to align for this to happen. So the day before the race, I let a shakeout run. Uh, we're in Tacoma, Washington. Do shakeout okay. run. We all go to Starbucks afterwards or coffee shop. I'm sure it was a Starbucks in Tacoma and uh, get coffee. And then everyone turns to me and says, oh, you got to tell us a story. I said, no. I got to do three seminars at the expo today and speak at the dinner tonight. I'm telling stories all day. <laughs> well, the woman I was running next to, she told me she was a flight attendant and while we were doing the shakeout run. So I, you know, like a idiot, I say to her, Hey, did, did anyone ever try to join the mile high club in one of your flights? <laughs> and she had the great stories. It was awesome. So I was, Sipping my coffee, I was living the good life. I didn't have to say anything, and I'm listening to her story. It was so funny. And I looked her right in the eye, and I said, you're my favorite flight attendant. And by <laughs> but I've never been on her plane, ever. She actually, she flies an airline that I never, or she works for an airline I've never been on. So I know I've never been on a plane with her. So next day we're running the marathon, and there was only one section of the course where runners are heading out, and runners are heading back across the street. There was like a grass median in between. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I'm half blind. And uh, I hear this, bark, bark, this woman yelling bark. And uh, and I'm with a bag of runners that, are, that I'm running with. And this woman yelling, bark, bark, bark. And I'm like, I'm just waving at her because I can't see who it is. <laughs> realizes I have no clue who it is. So she says, bark, bark, bark. It's your favorite flight attendant, the Mile High Club. That's all she said. 
No. She's done, and now I'm with these runners heading away. So, so these guys that I'm running with, they're like, "Wow, you are the man." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god!" I said, "So the next like four miles, I had to convince these people I'm not a member of the Mile High Club. I don't know this woman. I don't even know her name. I've never been on the plane with her." And no, they're like, "Yeah, nobody, yeah." Nobody believed me, and I'm like, "No, I'm serious." But it's pretty awesome because I was having a rough day and the, having four miles of just, it went by like I didn't even know because I was trying to convince these people what transpired. <laughs> but the fact that just this one little section and she was there and that we had the shakeout on the day before. Otherwise, I mean, it was almost like if you scripted it in a movie, it would have been harder <laughs> to do than it just happened naturally. Believe me, they go, oh, yeah, she just yelled Mile High Club out of the blue. And I'm like, no, we were at the coffee shop. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so so I really, I didn't tell that story for probably two years. And I go to speak at the Marine Corps Marathon. And their carbo dinner has about 1,200 people. And when you're the guest speaker, you sit at a table with, uh, there were two three-star generals at the table that I was at. Table of 12, three star general, his wife, three star general, his wife, and wow. some race director, Rick Niels, a couple other people. So I was going to tell that story to start things off. <laughs> I'm looking at these three star generals thinking, wow, these dudes could kill me when I come off this stage. <laughs> so I have my presentation that I'm going to do, but I thought, you know, I'll just lighten up the crowd with this story. So I started out with that. And then uh, <laughs> my high club story. So then I, you know, do my other presentation, and I come down, and these generals are like hugging me. They thought it was so funny. They love. <laughs> so the high next, risk, high reward. Yeah. So then the next day, Marine Corps marathon's going on, and I'm not running, but I'm out of like three spots or four spots along the course because it's really a spectator friendly setup. You can bounce around and see people. So I'm at mile twenty, about twenty five and a half. And I'm standing there, and there's other runners around me. And here comes this woman, and she's running fast. She's running just a little over three hours in the marathon, and she's flying. And it looks like she's running right at me. And I'm like, I'm looking around thinking, who's she running to? Like, she literally <laughs> like she's going to run me over. And I'm like on the side of the road. And, and she was running at me. I thought oh, maybe her husband or boyfriend or whoever are right next to me because, like, she's literally running at me. She Flight went, attendant. She gives me a kiss on the cheek, and she said, I'm a member of the Mile High Club. And then away she goes. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so she was, obviously at the dinner. This. And she was obviously at the dinner, and she, oh, my God, she was so funny. I could not believe it. She totally had me. I Like, I was speechless. The people around me that were standing next to me said, what was that all about? I said, it's too... <laughs> Keep cheering for the runners. You don't want to. But that was really funny. That's a typical runner. That's uh, she really had me. But that I got to say, I didn't. I did not know where this story was gonna go for a second. Uh yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, I now I really want to name this podcast when Bart Yasso joined the Mile High Club. Yeah, yeah, did not join the Mile High Club, but that's <laughs> that's a hilarious story. Is that yeah. in your book? No, because that happened way after my book came out. And uh, and I really never, you know, I should ask the woman for permission to tell her to tell her story, but I don't I never mention her name. 
because I never even saw her. I don't. I don't even know her name. But I, but I have the picture that I took a picture when we were at the Shagar run, so I know who it is. Oh, that's so funny. We can oh, just no. or like who no. is this woman? I don't want her to get her in trouble. I don't know if she'd get in trouble with her employer or you know. <laughs> so I kind of like keep it on the down low on the names. Well, we can picture whoever we want in our heads when you say the story then. But yeah, and I do I do run into the couple guys that I was running with because they tell me all the time. You know, they always say, hey, I was with you in Tacoma. Remember? And I go, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah, they don't have to say a thing. <laughs> just like to yeah. make eye contact like I got you. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's the story I needed like to like. Yeah cap my day so let's let's move in real fast we'll play a game of scale of one to ten so okay. basically a one is gonna be uh uh-uh, no can do without nah and ten is oh my gosh yes yeah. absolutely okay all right starting off with kombucha oh my god i drink kombucha every day do you really i was every i really day. wanted to know this ten 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 i drink kombucha ten. every day Oh, love that. Same. I I have a kombucha taste test video on YouTube. That was one of my favorite ones that I put together. And w- what's your favorite flavor or favorite brand? Uh, the Synergy. Mm-hmm. The- oh, GT Synergy. Yes. Yeah. That's mine too. Yeah. I buy it. A local grocery store has it. I used to have to get it at a store close to my house called Fresh Market, but now I can find it everywhere. No, it's everywhere. Yeah, everyone's like. I got that giant bottle. You know, so you get the big have it in like 16 ounce bottles, but I get that giant thing because I buy like four of them when I go. Yeah, I drink kombucha every day. Okay, love that. Same. Ten. Ten. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we touched on this earlier, but racing a 5K. Uh, that would be like a five for me. I mean, I love every distance, but I'm, it, it's just, it's too short. What I do when I go to. Run a 5K. I, I run. I used to run the course, run the 5K course, then race it, and then run it again. That way, I thought running <laughs> yeah. the 15K was worth coming here. Turn thought, it into a tempo. <laughs> yeah, it was too much gas mileage to to warrant just running 5K. I like that. I'll give it a five too because I think I eventually want to like really dedicate some training time to it because I think it could be really fun. But I'm. <laughs> And all my podcasts, I'm like, I'm going to train for a 5K. Just do it, Michelle. Okay. Anyway, running. Okay. We talked about this too. Running watch lists. Yeah. I I think it's a good thing to do. I haven't done it lately. So I would put that on like a, I would say it's like a six because I really like to run by feel. But lately I've been doing my, having my garment on every run because I've been doing these virtuals and these. You know, you got to run 100 miles in a couple months or whatever. So I haven't done it lately, but I need to do it because I, I would put it up there in the six or seven range. I think it's a good Love thing it. To do. Okay. I, I'll give it a, a three because I know I need to do it more and I feel good when I do it, but it's hard, obviously. Chocolate. Wow. Chocolate. I'm, I don't, I'm not big on chocolate. I don't know anything about chocolate. I never eat chocolate, like so. Yeah. Are you a vanilla guy? Like a two. Yeah, I I don't understand all the chocolate and candy. I I don't ever eat that stuff. So I don't I don't know what the fascination is or why people go crazy for chocolate. I don't get it. 
All right, we're done uh, with it. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> yeah, I would put it on one or two for me. I did. I, yeah, I never, never have chocolate. I don't know why. I give it a nine because it hurts my stomach, but chocolate is the best, one of the best things on this planet. So it's yeah. fine. We'll keep, we'll, we'll keep on going. Okay. Well, my, my better half, Ann, she said to me one time, she said, I bought this candy that you like. And I'm like, and she showed me, and it was chocolate. And I said, I don't eat chocolate. And I was the way she bought it for herself, but she wanted to say she bought it for me. Oh, oh dang. Yeah. See, usually that would work. She's really smart because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she let me in on the joke. Part oh. of her herself, but blamed it on me because she knows she shouldn't eat so much stuff. I get that. I get that. I, you know what, Anne? That would have worked on anyone else, yeah, but Martin, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I was cool. I don't know what she was talking about. <laughs> Runners who don't wave. So when you're like on a, just like a casual run and you like wave to a runner and they just like don't do it back. Yeah, I I don't like that. I communicate with all runners, even if it's just like a nod or you know slight wave. Uh, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, good morning. I'm crazy out there. People <laughs> Always like, good morning too. Like yeah, even oh, if it's yeah. evening, you don't well, say good yeah. evening. Well, that's occasionally I'll you know because I do these days. I have been running in the morning, and occasionally I will say good morning to people at two in the afternoon, which is like, dang, oh, oh yeah. absolutely. And then yeah. you always like have that awkward, like, oh gosh, it's like five. To me, the communication of running is a 10. I, I communicate to everyone out there, walkers, dog walk, anybody. Same. Yeah. The human and then, we need to do that as people. Yes. I've been saying that to like, especially now that we don't have to like pull up a mask and especially like in the LA area, it was kind of big for a while to like have a mask on you or like pull it up when someone's going by. I feel like it's so important to bring that communication back of just kind of like, hello, <laughs> just throughout everywhere. Yeah, and you I'm know. always happy out there. So I'm one of those, you know, it's not only hello, it's a happy hello. Like, you know, good hello. morning, what up? You know, that kind of stuff. People are like. Yeah, a little bro nod. Yes, yeah. same, absolutely. Coffee helps with that too. Coffee helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell that I have a coffee right next to me? Yeah. Right yeah. Obviously, it, and it's too late for me to be drinking that. But anyway, Hoka shoes. Oh, 10. I think the world of Hoka. I love all their products. They're an amazing company. Good people oh, yeah. and just an incredible product. I finally bought my first pair of Hoka's just because they discontinued the Nike shoe that I was wearing. And I was so bummed about it. And then I just couldn't find another Nike shoe that I liked or fit well. And so mm -hmm. I finally bought a pair of Hoka's. And I gotta say, I didn't want to be a fan for I don't know why, but I love them. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first pair I tried on was at a running store in Colorado, and this was like 2007, and they were just coming into America. And the store owner told me these shoes are gonna be popular, and I went, I put them on, and like just standing there, I kind of didn't understand it. But then I ran in them a couple times, and I said, man, that dude's right. This is going to be the, this shoe was going to take off. Oh man, you called it. You know, I trusted his opinion too. Uh, but yeah, it was, I just felt, I never felt so much cushioning, but also felt, you know, what it felt like I was running on pillows, but I also had a good solid cadence going in stride. So I thought this is, this is unbelievable. And it cracks me up too, because 
I heard that it's really trendy for like college girls to wear them with jeans who don't run. (laughs) It's like just a trendy staple to someone's wardrobe, which I find hilarious. The original Hoka's were more, were the chunky. So was chunky and tall. So I know people that wore the concerts so they could get better views. <laughs> you know, they, I love that. They sent me a message saying, I got to buy hookahs for this concert. I'm like, what are you talking about? You they send you a message. Yeah, I'm feeling the need to tell I'll you that. Four or five inches taller and I'll be able to see Springsteen. I'm like, okay, then go buy whatever model. It doesn't matter if you're buying them just to go to a concert. <laughs> Why do you need my advice? Which model to get? Oh, get the Springsteen model because you'll get a better view. <laughs> I mean, they were dead serious. They and they bought them just to get a better view of Springsteen. It raises you up probably a good uh, two and a half to three inches. So people, yeah, it was worth it for them to get a good view of Springsteen. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, I feel because I'm pretty short. I'm five three. I feel like I'm like I'm like five five now. I'm a person. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time oh, you, today, today to speak with me. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much. Keep at it. Keep working with the runners. We have such a great sport. Keep up the good work. Ah, Getting off this conversation with Bart was so refreshing. It's just nice to catch up with him. I actually worked with Bart a bit in the past with this startup running app that I used to work for. You could say we're BFFs. Right, Bart? (laughs) JK. Let me know if you guys enjoyed this episode. It's number freaking 12 today, guys. It's my favorite number if you didn't know that. So it's actually good luck. I hope you guys are having an excellent week. And if you aren't, let's turn it around. Let's make this week really, really nice. What about that? Why not? And you know what? I will talk to you next week. Okay, goodbye.